Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris, and I'm joined, as always, by Stu. Hello, it's me. Hello. And by Tom. Hello, this is Tom. Uh, we're all here. Um, we are here to preview the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. But first of all, we had better talk about the piece of news that, as always, came out the day after the last podcast. And to people who always say maybe you should release the podcast a day later, we tried that once. It doesn't work. The news just happens on a Thursday instead of a Wednesday. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, true. It's, true. it's just the way the world works. Yeah. But yes, Honda announced pretty out of the blue that they are going to be pulling out of F1 at the end of the 2021 season, um, ending a seven-year run in the sport for them on this occasion, uh, starting off with three years of McLaren before they moved to a year just with Toro Rosso and then both Red Bull teams as of 2019. They've achieved five victories in that time. Um, they say they informed Red Bull that this was a possibility back in August and the final decision was made uh, just before the announcement was made. They also said it wasn't a sort of unanimous decision across the board. It was um, CEO uh, Takahiro, uh, I'll try that again. I knew I'd get that wrong. It was CEO Takahiro Hachigo who had to sort of make the final decision because the board was kind of split on it supposedly. But yeah, they say they're still pairing on with next season building brand new engines from the ground up as they always plan to for next year and they still their aim is still to win the championship with red bull but yeah it came as quite a surprise i think it's fair to say um especially given that they really seem to after a, a ropey start to this sort of current stint in f1 they really seem to have turned a corner and were making really good progress so a surprise yeah i think when you hear their reasoning why you can kind of see why but we haven't really yeah yeah so they said in a statement that they need to funnel their corporate resources in research and development into the areas of future power units and energy technologies, including fuel cell vehicle and battery technologies, which will be the core of carbon-free technologies. And they've also said they're aiming to become uh, carbon neutral by 2050, um, mm. which is a very complicated way of saying, like the rest of the car industry, we're putting our time and effort into uh, non-fuel burning uh, technology essentially because yeah, yeah, that is the way the world yeah. is going which yeah. makes complete sense um, it's worth saying they did make a point of saying they don't have any plans to enter formula e or any other like electric based uh, motorsport so it's not like they're ditching f1 to go to formula e but still it's um that's that's the reason why i've done this and as you sort of said to you like you can you can understand the reasoning behind it but yeah it is a shock. It is a big shock. It's a shame that they're doing it when they're doing it right before the new formula in 2022. Mm. Um, I think they must have been mad for joining in the first place, <laughs> to be honest, when Mercedes have been so dominant for so many years before that. And then they joined, what, they joined like a year late into the new hybrid era. Is that right? Uh, they came in a yeah, year, a year or two they. after everyone else, weren't they? So they, yeah. But obviously, everybody else had already been working on engines before that, anyway. Whereas Honda hadn't had exactly. It, so yeah, they were they were already they were more than one or two years behind, realistically, when you think about it. Yeah, they were a long way, a long, long way behind. Yeah. So to to actually have come in and, and achieved what they have and had a few wins is is 
it's kind of special, really. I think, like you know, so they got the wins with they, and they they they're the only engine manufacturer on the grid to have achieved wins with two different teams mm. as well. With uh, they've won with Red Bull and they've won with AlphaTauri with Gasly at, in uh, Italy. And Italy Monza is a engine track, as we know. So exactly, it's yeah. no me feat to uh, to take that win. That's a that's a big deal for them. I think the issue is is uh, the Formula One engine is an eight year old engine concept now, and it is is it eight years old? What when did these years engines twenty thirteen? I think fourteen. I think fourteen. 14. So it's a yeah. six year old engine concept, maybe. Uh, maybe seven years if you count the yeah. development time that goes in before the engine's actually raced. Um, it is an obsolete technology. It was kind of obsolete the day of the first day of the season that it, that it came out, I think, because Formula E exists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when, so, when was Formula E's first race that was in 2012. That was 2014, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, so, it was 2014. Yeah. So literally the year that the hybrid regulations came in. <laughs> yeah. So it was literally <laughs> immediately out of date, really, in terms of um, in terms of manufacturers and what they're going to be pushing towards going forward. Yeah. So from Honda's perspective, like, what is the point in chasing this technology to to win races in Formula One when? That Formula One probably doesn't really line up with Honda's sort of uh, targets. I get with their with their direction of where they're going with their compass. Um, No, not really. In terms of like what they want to do with their company, where they want to be in in X years time. So I think I I, I understand it. I can see why they've dropped out. They're not achieving. They're probably not getting the kind of car sales that say Mercedes or Ferrari get from from being in Formula 1 either. They certainly yeah. don't get the same level of exposure that those two teams get. So, you know, why spend the money? There's, there's, you can spend the money elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, there's not a true factory team, is there? So they're not they're not getting that same exposure because of that, I think. Exactly, yeah. You don't, you don't really say Red Bull Honda, do you? And you don't think of it as the Honda, you think of it as the Red Bull. So I think that, that probably hurts them in that respect. But it, maybe it is partly to do with where the 2022 regs have ended up because i mean in terms of the powertrains the power units we the only real significant change is that the mguh is going isn't it the, the yeah component and there's not a considerable amount more change in that i think the, the revs maximum rev limit changes but it's not really that's a bit redundant yeah but well that, that, that's significant that's, it is significant because it goes if if you lower the if you lower the maximum revs it increases engine long long longevity well i can't speak long 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 god i cannot say that word <laughs> what's wrong with me longevity there we yeah, go yeah they don't hit the current maximum though so <laughs> yeah true they and never they, go don't, they the don't u- they don't use the maximum that they're limited to anyway at the minute but he, well, that's because the gearbox is homologated yeah. from yeah. start of the season. So, yeah. in order to, I mean, there's probably only one track where they <laughs> yeah. get to the absolute yeah. maximum red line. But like, they'll they will be geared to, you know, your first. They do. I mean, they rev up through the gears. They'll rev up to the highest possible revs. Otherwise, what's the point in having a gearbox? <laughs> I mean, in, in qualifying, when point, we know what we do about tires and stuff like that, though, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they're not actually. No, they're definitely in terms of component um, life and saving, like part saving, essentially to to meet what what's the word like quotas. You got quotas, haven't you? Of each component, yeah. and obviously one of those is the gearbox. 
So and they only get two gearboxes for the season, don't they? These days, yeah. I think so. I can imagine right. that they're not going to put a ridiculous amount of stress through but, through a lot of components. But back to your original point, mm. Tom, it is still that's kind of a it, it's that that new engine regulation just feels like an evolution of this one. It's not, yeah. And I think that's maybe what's helped the decision, I guess, because they're looking at that and thinking, well, the only real significant difference is this. MGUH component comes out that's not enough in the other direction that they want to start heading as a company and yeah that that brand image that they want for that that cleaner energy and it's probably not enough in that direction for them yeah. because it's really the I think the MGUH is it's more of a uh, just a simplification of the current technology really isn't it? that's the only real reason that they've changed it is because that's one of the more mm. complex and unreliable parts of the current reg, if I'm if I'm right. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. So like the MGUH is the exhaust side of the turbo. It's the fan yeah. that spins on the turbo, um, and it converts the heat energy from the well the, the the flow of the exhaust. It spins the turbocharger, which in, is connected to a motor, which generates electricity. Yeah, and that electricity can be used to keep the turbo spooled up or it can be used to if, if you spin it the other way as a dynamo it'll be used to charge the battery and then you can you know yeah. being electric you can either spin the turbo and keep the end to keep the turbo spooled or you can move that energy into other parts of the it's, it's in a battery so it can be distributed to any part of the any part of the car honda 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 so like they keep doing this don't they <laughs> they keep sort of yeah, coming this is yeah. their fifth Do- stint in f1 i think it is that's a lot of uh, back and forth, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Do you think another factor in this might still be like a hangover from the McLaren days? Because those three years I spent with McLaren was just nothing but negative headlines. Like all, all that. Alonso's did was, fault, probably mostly. Yeah, largely. But I don't know. I, I just think those years damaged Honda's image, if anything, and. How much success do they need to achieve? And it kind of goes back to what you said, Tom, that when Red Bull win a race, it's Red Bull winning a race, it's not Honda winning a race. And like, is is there an amount they can achieve now that will undo the bad press they got back then? And like, how much money do you throw at that? Kind of trying to chase that. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one for them because the culture that they come from is a very, very, like, it's a very prideful culture, isn't it? And I, I imagine not being able to compete with Mercedes like toe-to-toe at this point. Maybe they maybe it hurt feel they feel it hurts them as a brand to to be second or third best. I mean they're probably second best at the minute, but even still, like maybe they feel they can't mis- do any more with this technology. Maybe they feel that they can't go any further with it. I don't it. think it's even that. I think there's a mismatch between who Honda are as a car manufacturer and what Formula mm. One is as a racing series. Yeah. Formula yeah. One is a racing series and it's about performance, it's about going fast, it's about winning. Whereas for the how many sports cars are in Honda's Honda's portfolio? Think about it. Like there's the NSX. And Yeah, you got the got, got got a couple of different type Civic, R's out there. Civic type R, but you don't think of a Civic type R as like a high end sports car. You think of it as a hot hatch. You don't think of it as a sports car. Yeah. It's not like a Porsche or a Mercedes AMG. Or, no, no, not at all. You know, you don't think of it. That, that your, your Honda NSX is that car, but then, you know, the Honda NSX is kind of a, that's kind of an old concept now as well. So 
there just seems to be like a desire from Honda to not really be into at the at the moment. They're not really into this sort of sports car vibe, this sporty brand mm-hmm. vibe. They're much more into the let's say, and for a lot of years actually, they've had this sort of side to their brand, which is let's save the world. And again, like right now, Formula One just does not fit into that kind of mold at all does it it's not formula one at the moment isn't really at all about saving the world it's it's they don't really talk much about they might nod to like being green and carbon new trying to be carbon neutral by x date from time to time but let's face it they're not really sort of matching honda in terms of like what they're trying to do to no. become more green and more more um environmentally friendly so that's probably a big put off on Honda's side, if their brand is moving more towards that, especially if they're going to be making more electric, well, moving all their vehicle portfolio over to electric in the future. So I think yeah, th- I think it's much more just a, a brand decision about where they're, where they're seeing themselves headed than it is anything to do with pride or interest in sort of what other teams do in comparisons with other teams, anything like that. I just think that this decision hasn't been made by the people who are on the program at Honda making racing engines. It'd be interesting to see what they do with Indy, though, because you've got to remember, Indy's still, what, a V6 or a V8? can't remember what size it is at the minute. Because with that being considered, you know, they're quite big in Indy, and this is like (laughs) IndyCar engines are still the opposite side of the 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 spectrum from like Formula One kind of sits in the middle at the minute because of the hybrid nature, but mm-hmm. IndyCar Indy cars are still naturally aspirated. V, it's either V six or V eight at the minute. I think I can't remember which. Yeah. Well, we those actually, are so um, simple. Those engines are so simple that they're probably making a profit on selling those engines to yeah, all the different teams in 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 Indy. Whereas they'd be making a massive loss on what they're doing in their activity in Formula One. Yeah, it's such well, a we complex. Had a, uh, We've had a question on that, actually. I'm going to pluck one out of the inbox early doors because it syncs up nicely. Uh, Brendan wrote in to say, why have Honda pulled out of F1 but not Indy? And Honda and Chevrolet have actually, in recent days, uh, signed an unspecified long-term commitment to the sport, um, basically agreeing to produce new engines from 2023 under the new regulations. And they are going to be um, petrol-electric hybrid engines. It was originally going to be in 2022, and that's now been pushed back to 2023. Um, it's yeah, they're currently 2.2 litre petrol engines. They're going to be changed to 2.4 litre petrol electric hybrids. Yeah. I guess V6s. It is V6s, yeah. Well, is V6 turbo or is V6 once it changes? Current, 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 current V6. Is still V6. Yeah, V6 yeah. turbo. Right I, I knew it was one or the other. I just couldn't remember which. But I think the difference is like. I'm, tr- I'm trying to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound disparaging, but essentially the IndyCar version of a hybrid engine is a lot less complex than the F1 version of a hybrid yeah. engine or the LMP1 version of a hybrid engine. And that's not to sort of talk down the sport. It's That's by design. Like they're designed to be a big reliable lump that you can stick in the back of any car on that grid and it will go around and, and do the job. Because, you know, there's, there's still only two engine manufacturers in IndyCar um, every team on the grid uses honda or chevrolet so they they have to be um reliable engines and if if honda want to still want to put some money into hybrid powertrains it's going to be a lot cheaper for them and they're going to get a lot more success out of indycar than they will f1 yeah yeah 
Absolutely. I mean, when you're supplying half the grid of an entire racing series, then you're going to exactly, get probably yeah. a lot more wins than what you are supplying two in the most competitive racing series. Well, uncompetitive <laughs> racing series at the yeah. moment hmm. in the world. Like Mercedes is just winning everything. So we say this every week, win on Sunday, sell on Monday. And that's just not happening for Honda in Formula One. So there's so many reasons why it doesn't really make sense for them to for their brand for them to stay in here that you know big wigs at the company are probably thinking it's not worth the money i'm not getting out of this what i'm putting Mm. into it so let's we've got other motorsport activities that are much much cheaper and giving us much much better return so why are we flogging all the money at this it's not we're not getting anything out of it let's put our money elsewhere let's put our money into research into electric motors and electric electrification across our product line and probably do a lot more good for the world if that's what our attitude is than we would by developing a hybrid racing engine you know if you can get everyone in the world driving a a much much less polluting vehicle by making that vehicle and putting the money into researching that vehicle you're gonna be much more successful than what you are making a hybrid racing engine aren't you Hmm. yeah i I think I think the interesting thing is obviously them staying with IndyCar, but it's it's simple tech. And I think that it comes back to something that you touched on a minute ago, Stu, which was the fact that, and I think Chris mentioned it as well, to be fair, but it comes back to the fact that they can put time and money into developing an engine that meets an IndyCar spec. And then, like you like you both kind of mentioned, they will sort of, they will probably make money on selling that to half the grid. Yeah. Uh, whereas Absolutely. in Formula One, there's no way Honda are making money right now. No, I, I just it's can't a huge see it. loss. It's I a huge loss leader for the, them. The, yeah, the amount of tech investment that they will they will be having to put in to get the engine to where it is, compared to what Red Bull will be paying them for four well four cars worth of engines. Um, and then the the lack of like actual brand exposure that that gets them, I don't think that uh, there's any money in it. And I think that as much as as much as there is the statement that's like saying we want to pursue these technologies more, and we don't think Formula One suits us, I think that underneath there is a little bit more of the it's just not working for us financially. But the, the mm. maybe staying away from actually airing that out and i think that the the, the significant thing for me about that is the fact that they're willing to stay with the indycar program and do the hybrid engines there because a the simpler and b they are going to make money out of them Mm. i think i think that's the kicker there so like here's here's like the the crux of it here's if you wanted to distill down into one question why honda are doing this chris what is the most exciting car in honda's lineup at the moment the honda e yeah the Honda, agree, e the Honda E such an amazingly cool car. That is like, if I could go out and have any car tomorrow, that would be high on my list. Does that have a hybrid V6 turbo? Not in it? even close. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and yet we, it is the most exciting car they make. Yeah. Well, uh, we've said it many times before. There's a reason that F1 is now down to three power unit manufacturers and Formula E has nine or ten different powertrain manufacturers like it's yeah it's just the way the world is going and it it leaves f1 in a bit of a problem like f1 is now down to three manufacturers the 2022 rules were originally they were talking about wanting to make them more appealing for new manufacturers to come in and there has not been a peep of interest as far as i've seen from 
anyone else. And like three is not many. Like everyone should be worried about this. Like there's a there's a real problem brewing here in that manufacturers just aren't going to want to spend the time and money building these kind of engines the more time goes on. Yeah, the, I mean, there were rumblings from Porsche at one point to the to the tune of if they ditch the MGUH, we might consider it. Now, I mean, it was a very not throwaway comment, but it was it was a not a very non-committal comment of we're not going to touch Formula One unless that MGUH is gone. Mm. And so, I mean, yes, I guess with that changing. But you'd have expected that during this season, you would have probably already started to hear those rumblings of it happening. Maybe Honda stepping out might be the incentive for them to be let's step in. But I don't know if I don't know if it would be. No, no. Thank you. Yes, I mean, and again, they've got a Formula E team now. Um, if anything, I think that Porsche probably more likely to go back to. Um, World Endurance Championship at Formula One at this point with the new hypercar regs. Mm. Possibly. Yeah, it's hard to see where the next engine manufacturer is going to come from for Formula One. It's not coming. It's th- th- There won't be another engine manufacturer before they completely change the formula. That, that, that's no. the thing. Like the, the only time we're getting new engine manufacturers in Formula One is, is when we turn to electric, when Formula E and Formula One merge in five, six years' time. <laughs> is there like an end point on those 2022 engine regulations it's usually two to three years minimum um, isn't it? yeah 2026 supposedly when the, be yeah the, next, the usual review them after like three next years change. yeah they need to be thinking about that long and hard I think they, they need what they really need is some they need if they're gonna if they're gonna evolve Formula 1 so this is the real question here that it throws up is Honda Honda are leaving Formula 1 because the technology basically isn't let's let's face it as advanced as these engines are internal combustion engine technology is obsolete in 2020 so for formula one to stay relevant in the future they need to make an engine or make a power unit that surpasses what is available in formula e because otherwise Mm -hmm. if they if they go to the same power unit as formula e then they're just formula e so what options are available to formula one well you've got um uh, hydrogen <clears throat> excuse me hydrogen fuel cells you could you could go down that road um or you've got battery powered electric which is what formula e is already but how do you so how do you advance battery powered electric to make it better than formula e to make it more powerful to make it more extreme than what is available at formula e and I don't know what the answer to that is. Like the person who comes up with the answer to that is probably going to be very rich and much more intelligent <laughs> than me. Well, that's the tricky thing right now because neither of those options the te- uh, have the technology right now to pair an F1 car to the same speeds and for the same amount of time. The technology is just not quite there yet. So yeah. hybrid is the only sort of middle ground point that can hit at the moment and there, there is a massive market for hybrid power in the like in the world right now like as much as the world is moving to electric most people can't afford to go out and buy an electric car right now they're just still too expensive the prices are coming down but mm. i looked into it and i bought my car but even for secondhand uh bottom of the market stuff it was still 
just too expensive for the kind of car you could get yeah. whereas hybrids are very very affordable these days so i think there is a version of a hybrid f1 engine that will be attractive to manufacturers but what we have now is just super complicated like no one's putting turbos on hybrid engines for road cars that's just not a thing no you, you, there's no need to there's no point in no exactly on a hybrid engine because you've got all that power from the from the electric motors it feels like so, complexity yeah. for the sake of it doesn't it yeah like once you what if you've got electric motor on a road car if you've got electric motors and you've got an internal combustion engine then that's plenty like to throw it to unless you're making like an absolute multi-million pound hypercar by the time you throw the weight of in a regular car, if you throw the weight of a turbo on it with an intercooler and all the other bits and bobs that come with a turbo with all the extra cooling, then you've got a horribly inefficient vehicle for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> you can put all the electric motors on it in the world. Like if you're running a turbo, you're getting too hot. So you need a massive cooling system to cool it down. And that compounded that's that co- that puts ex- the, the thing that puts extra pressure on the cooling system is the electric motors and the batteries as well. Mm. They get hot, so yeah. that's why you don't see many regular road cars with turbo powered electric hybrid sort of setups. Um, also plays a part in the fact that F one cars these days weigh a ton and are the size of boats because it's just <laughs> yeah. I mean, tons of cooling have to be packed in. Like. They really to bring it back into the sort of the, the proper Formula One world. Then they need to take the Colin Chapman approach of add simplicity, make add lightness and simplicity. That mm. I think is yeah. the is the is the is the phrase. I'm probably butchering that phrase, but <laughs> simplify and add lightness is what the yeah. phrase is. Yeah, and that's absolutely what Formula One need to be doing. They, it's the engines are way, way, way too complicated for what they for what they're getting out of them. Although, yeah, fifty percent thermal efficiency, excellent. That's really, really good news. That's a huge achievement. But when you consider you're using an uh, internal combustion engine and it's twenty twenty, then you know that's that kind of makes that less of a exciting thing to me. Like it's 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 a mm-hmm. dated technology. Like it's a V six engine. Yeah. They were using V six. We were using V six engines in the seventies. <laughs> yeah it's... i'm just gonna let that hang there for a second like this that's yeah, how old the true. v6 engine is like this is supposed to be the pinnacle of motorsport yes you need a very very powerful engine to complement all the electric motors and gubbins and to give you the um the range if you like that uh formula one car has got to be on track for a long time but sometimes sometimes up to two hours racing but if they'd put all the money that they've put into these hybrid engines, if they put all that money into a more relevant technology like all electric or like hydrogen fuel cells or like, you know, uh, on-track charging like or, or, or fast charging like down the pit lane, stuff like that, if they put mm. the energy into that kind of technology, then the world would have been a better place by now. The world, the, the technology yeah. would have leapt so much further than what it has. And at the minute, we're relying on underfunded Formula E's, you know, tier lower tier than F two, really Formula E. If you if you really want to, you know, again, without being disparaging to Formula E, Formula is an excellent sport, but they just do not get the audience that Formula One get. If they were getting that kind of audience, and if they had the kind of money going into them that Formula One teams do, then that technology would be progressing much, much, much faster. I mean, at risk of 
losing our entire listenership, but is that not just the fan base that's part of the problem there, that they're not interested in the electric engines? I, well, I think you, you do hear a lot of that. Like, I, yeah. I, think, I think we can be a minority in terms of we're just as interested in Formula E as we are F1 realistically. Like when that when that Formula E season is on, we're watching as much of that as we can, same as we do with F1 sessions. Like, but I think fans like us are possibly in the minority. Maybe, but I mean, whether it's just people make the comments that I see them make because it's the oh, it's fun to poke fun at that because it's not F1, and it's just like it's just a it's just a show. But I, I don't know. Well, I think there's a there's a tendency to listen maybe too much to the loudest, craziest voices on the internet. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. On f- especially from when you're a big sport like Formula One and you've got a big fan base and you're trying to flee- please everyone, the ones that shout loudest are usually the ones that are the most crazy and maybe not necessarily the the ones you ought to be listening to. I think that side of the audience as well is probably aging and they're not going to be around as long as the younger audience who mm-hmm. are crying out for this more sort of green sport that that wants to be enjoyed. You know, the people the people who are saying go back to V6s, go back to V8s, go back to the, the glory days of the 80s when we had 1,000 horsepower turbos screaming around the track and engines going pop left, right and centre. They're the people that are not going to be around to see this sport when, well, I mean, they're the people who are going to drive this sport away into the ground into complete irrelevance, frankly, because it needs to be, it needs to be relevant. They need to be the fastest. They still need to be the fastest cars in the world. No doubt about that. The drivers need to be warriors and the, the sport needs to be seen as the most progressive sport motorsport on the planet it's the pinnacle of motorsport now however you achieve that it doesn't really matter the the most important thing is that the cars are the fastest and the drivers are the best let's let's and and the engineering is the most advanced yeah and you could argue that we have like we do have that now i guess because the engines are the most advanced we do have the the fastest drivers and they probably are the fastest cars but could it be better? Could the engines be better? Could it be more forward thinking? You know, is it the best in terms of what the technology is capable of? Absolutely not. I think if they put, I'm repeating myself, but if they put the money into the the more advanced technologies and the more, if they if they can make fifty percent engine efficiency from an internal combustion engine using electric motors and stuff, think of the amount of efficiency they could get if they just went all electric. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and and to kind of loop it all the way back around to the start. You have to do all of that while also making it something manufacturers want to put their time and money into. And they're they're obviously not achieving that right now because, as I said, yeah. to start with, we're down to three manufacturers. Yeah. The, I the, think the, the biggest desire from Formula One has always been as many manufacturers in the sport as possible. Hmm. And the only people who are achieving a high number of manufacturers in the sport, in their sport at the moment, are Formula E. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's not. Well, it's not just a Formula One problem either. Like DTM has been hemorrhaging manufacturers. Uh, World Endurance Championship, at least in LMP1, has been. Um, it's looking like that's going to change a little in the years going forward, but we'll see. IndyCar's only had two engine manufacturers for I don't know how long. Um, the it's, only sport, it's in, the only sport from that point of view that's going from strength to strength is Formula E. 
Yeah, it, and it's it's as a Formula One fan, it is really really worrying mm. because there's this backwards view of we we don't obviously they don't want to alienate like this huge fan base that they've got, but I think. I don't think the, those guys are going anywhere. I think just because the no. cars make a different sound, they're still going to show up on a Sunday to watch their heroes going around the track and, and to watch the fastest, most exciting cars go around the track. I mean, I think if they don't, well, where, where else they go? What else are they going to watch? Like the reason they're here is not for the loud noises; it's for the fastest car. You can't even see the engine, so why does it even matter? Every time there's some kind of rule change, you get a chorus of "It's ruined. I'll never watch it again." and Funnily enough, the viewing figures don't really change all that much. In fact, they've been going up slightly the last few years. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks yeah. to uh, the digital team. <laughs> just just <laughs> going to point that out. <laughs> it's, uh, it's ve- we're very much, I think, at a crossroads and the next few years are going to... A lot of big decisions need to be made on the future of motorsport in general, but especially F1 because... Yeah, they can't continue on the path they're currently on, but they also, the other path isn't quite ready to achieve what F1 needs them to achieve. So there's a balancing act that needs to be made for sure. Mm. But, you know, it feels like every week you see a different, a diff- the, the optimistic ending to this, I guess, if, if we're looking for that, is every week on the internet, if you follow car culture, if you're into different kinds of motor racing like us guys are, Every week, it feels like at the moment there's a different all-electric beast of a car coming out. Yeah, you know, you've got the the Mustang thing that's pretty cool. You've got the all-electric rallycross car, which looks rad and makes some crazy noises. Yeah. You've got um, Robo Race, like literally, don't even have human drivers. Those cars are going to be able to eventually do things that no car driven by a human pilot ever would. Um, and then you've got like really cool things like the Honda E that we mentioned. You've got the Tesla Roadster, which looks like an absolute weapon. All of these cars and all of these technologies are the future. And Formula One, as the pinnacle of motorsport, needs to sort of take that on board and start making moves to sort of head in that direction, I think. I think that's my, that's my conclusion. And I think... Every one of those technologies I just mentioned are sick and really exciting, and that's what we should be excited about. Like, not V10s from 1991. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, F1 is supposed to be this pinnacle of technology pushing the boundaries, and then that technology eventually filters down and it's on your road car. And I don't think it's doing that right now. I think if if you want to talk about the current f1 with hybrid engines i think the toyota prius has done more for the average road car than formula one has in terms of hybrid technology mm. and that came from um le mans essentially yeah. toyota sort of cut their teeth with hybrid stuff in the Mans. so yeah it's a weird time mm. very weird but I, I think if they change the formula to something like we've been talking about something more electrified then all the manufacturers would come banging on the door and would be itching to make a Formula One car to show off their thing because that's mm. the next big thing. The person who makes the best electric road car, the mo- most affordable electric road car, the fastest electric road car, the the best of each category, they're the people that should be in Formula One and selling their products in I the future. Do, I do think there's a version of a hybrid engine regulation that will be more attractive to manufacturers in the sort of short to midterm until electric power 
can do what F1 needs it to do. But yeah, that's it's a stopgap. It's not a... What I'd actually love to see is to reach a point where the regulations say you can keep running hybrid engines or you can run electric engines and then you leave it up to manufacturers because you know the moment someone turns up to a Grand Prix and wins with the electric powertrain, then that's it. That that will open a door that yeah. will never be closed at that point. Chris, you're a ruddy genius. Get on the phone <laughs> to Ross Braun. Um, we've talked for over half an hour about um, electric engines. So I'm going to move us on to the other half of the Honda announcement, which is the fact that it obviously leaves Red Bull and Alpha Tauri without engines from 2022 onwards. They have both reiterated their commitment to stay in F1 beyond that point. Um, Red Bull also said we've been in the position before where we've had to find an engine um, at short notice. So, <laughs> you know, they'll be able to, they're confident they can do yeah. it again. Uh, the current rules say the manufacturer with the fewest partner seams has to supply a competitor if they have no alternatives. Um, as of next year, Mercedes will have four teams, Ferrari will have three, and Renault will only have one. Meaning that if Red Bull don't find an alternative, they will. Uh, Renault will be obliged to supply them engines and Red Bull will be obliged to take those engines. It's hard to see an alternative for Red Bull, isn't it? Other yeah, than I, I, don't see Mercedes, well, I don't see Mercedes stepping yeah. in to help them out. Nope. Mercedes aren't going to help their biggest rival. The Ferrari engine's not no. particularly you don't really want attractive the right now. And I don't yeah. think Ferrari would want to give their engines to Red Bull anyway, to be honest. Um, no, oh, I imagine the skeletons that have come out of the closet <laughs> that engine got to Red Bull. Well, they Plus, wouldn't actually because they've got their own best interests at heart, but still. Yeah. And and no new manufacturers are going to appear in the next year and a half, are they? <laughs> like, no. It's so, they've thrown yeah. them under the bus, haven't they? They've really thrown them under the bus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Renault have said they've not had any contact with Red Bull yet regarding engines, but I mean, that phone call is just going to have to happen, isn't it? They oh, man. That's going to be an awkward choice. conversation between Christian Horner and Cyril Abitable, isn't it? <laughs> Christian Horner with his tail between his legs. Yeah. Oh, hello. Um, do you have any engines? You can just picture the look on Cyril's face. <laughs> it's dollar signs in his eyes. <laughs> the other thing that this brings up is Verstappen's future. So he's currently got a contract with Red Bull that runs to the end of 2023. But it's very strongly believed to the point where it's basically common knowledge that there is some kind of performance-related break clause written into his contract. So if we have Red Bull in a position where 2022 comes around, they're not only grappling with a new set of regulations, but also grappling with a new engine manufacturer, that if they drop below whatever that performance clause is, Verstappen could very easily be back on the driver market sooner than we expected, which puts Red Bull in an even trickier position. Yeah. And it makes that... It well, I mean, well, that- if that happens to sync up with Hamilton calling it a day, I'm sure Mercedes will be keeping a close eye. Yeah. It, it, I mean, if a team can find a way to get him in a seat, then the, there's not many going to say no one. No. If they can find... If, if, you know, if, if they don't already have a very it. fast number one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because obviously he's not going to Ferrari because Leclerc's probably got that seat tied up, the second seat tied up as well. Yeah, um, he's got a contract to like 2024 or something ludicrous like that, yeah. hasn't he, Leclerc? Like yeah, and then Mercedes, probably the only way he's going there is if if Hamilton leaves. Yeah. Like, I, d- I don't see Bottas going. 
and making a vacant seat. I don't see that that makes that seat available to Verstappen because Hamilton's not going to want Verstappen in that seat. No. Unless, you know, unless he's reached a point where he's got more championships in the world than anyone else in, has ever achieved. And he's sort of like, yeah, put me up against the best then. Maybe, maybe that, I mean, I'd like to see that. <laughs> Would you like to see that? I mean, it's, well, it's what you want, but... <laughs> Would it ever happen? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. It's, it's the way it's the way to ultimately prove how good they both are is to put them both against each other. In the oh, same car, brilliant! That would be, be such the best, the best thing we've seen in years. But well, I mean, we probably, probably will not going to happen. We probably will have someone different in charge at Mercedes by that point. So you never know. I mean, I think odds are from what's being said. I think re-signing Hamilton is maybe going to be the last driver related thing Toto does at that team probably mm. so depending on who takes over maybe they'd be more interested in uh mm. rocking the boat a bit with someone like Verstappen as no time will tell I suppose yeah. it does make that second Red Bull seat all the more interesting though because they potentially need someone in that seat that they can rely on to lead that team if Verstappen does end up bouncing um mm. which makes all those decisions all the more tricky yeah. Will that I mean, make we, them finally look outside we, the current? We, we are in a bit of a fantasy realm here. That I've got, I've got to say, guys. <laughs> like, there's a lot of what, what ifs involved. There are an awful lot of what ifs. <laughs> <laughs> a, more, a more pressing decision for them is um, Sonoda. He, as things currently stand, everybody's expecting him to get one of the Alpha Terry seats. Should he get the top four in F2, he needs. Obviously, Honda having a Japanese driver driving one of their cars is something that's been attractive to them for some time. He does remain a Red Bull young driver, Honda or not. So in theory, that plan shouldn't change. I mean, they're still going to have Honda engines next season, but I'm sure he's a little concerned at this news. Yeah, I think like the the best thing he can do is just be the best driver he can be. I think like Honda, if he's part of the Red Bull program, already then honda shouldn't really have too much honda even shouldn't really have too much of an effect because we've seen historically that if you are good enough you will get the seat even if you're not good enough sometimes you get the seat (laughs) well yeah this is the thing isn't it that if he's good enough to compete with the others like when when given a chance then he'll hold on to it anyway as as cutthroat as red bull can be that i mean if they put him in it and he outperforms Whoever was in it before him is going to keep hold of it, isn't it? Realistically, so yeah, exactly. I don't think it'll stop him getting the seat because he's still a Red Bull junior. Well, I suppose Red Bull could drop him if after the whole Honda thing's over. But I'd have expected him to have got to Formula One before then. Realistically, like well, next season, he's doing hopefully. the business anyway. Like he's yeah. up in third in the championship in F two at the moment. Um, and he's on a bit of an upward curve in performance as well. He's had a really on and off season, but he's he's just about scraping his way up into the top three. So, yeah. And there's you know we've got four rounds left of F two. Mm, so happening four rounds of F two. A, a hell of a lot can happen. Mm. Um, Schumacher's got a bit of a lead at the moment, but he's only I think he's a race win less than a race win ahead. Yeah. Of um, Islet, um, with yeah, Sonoda right. in third behind Islet. And then um, third down to sixth is covered by like eight points or something ludicrous. Yeah, like it's really close. Really, really, really close among those. So it's going to be a spicy end to the season in F2. And um, okay. we've got some F2 juniors getting runs at the next race, have we not? Nice link. We have indeed. Um, 
Ferrari's uh, enormous stable of drivers. Um, I'll get into F1 time. Uh, this weekend, in fact, Mick Schumacher is going to be driving uh, Giovinazzi's Alfa Romeo in FP1 and Callum Eilat is going to be in Grosjean's Haas in FP1. Um, then Robert Schwartzman is also going to be getting an FP1 run, but he's got to wait until Abu Dhabi for his. They've not announced uh, what he's going to be driving yet. All three of them last week were at uh, Ferrari's uh, Fiorano circuit where they all drove the 2018 Ferrari to um, get a bit of F1 current-ish uh, technology uh, practicing. So yeah, it'll be exciting to see what they can uh, both do. I mean, the Alfa and Haas are probably comparable cars for all the wrong reasons right now. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how they both um, shake out, especially given that Giovinazzi is one of the drivers probably high on the list to be making way for one of these Ferrari youngsters. So yeah, well worth keeping an eye on. Um, mm. Yeah, there's also... Uh, exciting to see a Schumacher in a Formula 1 car as well. Yes, in Germany as well. It's a shame there won't be a crowd yeah. there, really. Um, but yeah, it, it, will be, it will be very cool to see um, a Schumacher in an official F1 session. Um, the rumors, the the rumor mill is also going around about um, Nikita Mazapan. Apparently, his dad, who happens to be a billionaire, has been shopping around for F one seats to be a billionaire. Yeah, shopping around for F one seats, or maybe even teams, depending what you read. Um, I think if Mazapan ended up getting a F1 seat and someone like Schwartzman or Eilat didn't, I think that would be a crying shame. But it would. Mazapan's sixth tell. scraped his way up to sixth in the championship yeah. two at the moment. Um it is tight in that for that sixth position, seventh, well, fourth, fifth, sixth, but you don't want to see yeah, I mean, yeah. what you really don't want is the sport turning into a billionaire's um plaything for their kids no. to be running around circuits is it and that's that's the fear from me i think we've already got you know a, a bit of that going on with um with racing point i don't think we need any more teams getting no. taken over by billionaires <clears throat> looking for drives for their kids it's another one of those things that makes it far less relevant for people isn't it and far less relatable yeah. for people mm. makes it a more distant thing um yeah Who's i mean he's not, watching he's not going, exactly oh, I'll get my billionaire dad to uh get me a yeah. formula <laughs> one team he's He's not exactly a bad driver, but he's always he, he always kind of been there or thereabouts. But mm. he never like stands out as oh, he's you know he's a potential for the future. Like, is, and I mean, I'm saying that, and he's finished like in the top four or five for the last couple of years in the series as has been in. But I mean, you want to be you want to be pushing for titles. He's not got a title to his name, so that's yeah. I think that says a lot. That at, at least like your likes of Lance Stroll and stuff won junior formulas that they were coming through in. So yes, fair enough. Dad having money and <laughs> buying a team has ultimately helped him get to where he is, but he still won the junior formulas that he participated in, which, I mean, it's nothing to be sniffed at, is it, to be able to get in a car and win a yeah. series. So you, gotta, you need to have the goods and you could, uh, yeah, you probably could argue Stroll has got the goods like he's, he's he's had a couple of podiums as well hasn't he in f1 yeah or at mm -hmm. least one podium um two podiums isn't it yeah what was the other one yeah the most recent one it was um monza this year monza, and then Baku a couple of years ago absolutely backwards monza crazy <laughs> um yeah i agree with all that tom i think <laughs> 
he deserves his drive. Whereas Mazapan, maybe if he doesn't have all the all the credentials that a Formula One driver should have, then what is he doing in a Formula One car? <laughs> well, Gene Haas keeps saying that his team is not for sale and isn't going to be anytime soon, but nothing. Uh, keeps the rumours going in F1 like someone saying something isn't true and isn't going to happen. So, Mm -hmm. Just like um, Christian Horner saying that the backing of the team is fully behind Mm. um, Alexander Albon. I noticed that went out into the world recently. That broke my eyebrows. Oh dear. Shall we start looking ahead (laughs) then to the Eiffel Grand Prix? Yes. Let's. Is it time for storylines? Let's hear some storylines. Do some storylines. Okay, so um, cold weekend ahead in, uh, uh, in the around the Nordschleife area, <laughs> the Eiffel Mountains. <laughs> the, in the Eiffel Mountains. That's thank you, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So the question, the first storyline is a, is a question: is what what part will the weather play? Will it snow? <laughs> is the <laughs> yeah the question on everyone's? It's going to be as low as five degrees at times. Um, in the daytime during during running as well potentially so these uh, these cars are not really designed to run in those kinds of well, low temperatures what does low temperature mean for a formula 1 car well cold air is good for an engine a formula 1 engine it keeps the turbo cool it keeps um, cold air is denser so it burns better and gives more horsepower um, so the cars will feel fast to the drivers but they won't necessarily have the amount of grip that they've normally got, despite the extra downforce from the thicker air. The tyres, which is my next storyline, are not designed to work in those kinds of temperatures. So it's going to be interesting to see what sort of grip levels they have. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you, who, who's got the goods in, in low-grip situations the most of the, uh, of the current F1 pack? And which car do you think is best suited to that kind of setting? Red me, Bulls, maybe? Yeah, maybe probably Red Bulls. I think that, I mean, maybe not so much this season as they have in the past, but I think that that's just due to the nature of some of the changes they've made to try and be a little bit more on par with the Mercedes in certain areas, but I think they'd have a, a good go at it. Um, yeah. I think Mercedes might be a team that could struggle because they, they always, I mean... As good as they are, the one thing that really is a detrimental factor for the Mercedes team is generally tyres. And it's, it's a case of them either struggling to get heat into them or struggling to keep life in them because they're getting too hot. It, it, it's like the operating window of, of a tyre on a Mercedes F1 car appears to be at its very smallest as it is on any other mm. car, I think. Um mm. But they are a team who so, are very, very good at finding that operating window, aren't they? So, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think, I think Das has a factor. Yeah, to play with that. Like, you know, that's that's helped them a lot this season. I think we've seen a lot less issues. But I mean, it's not like they've been free of issues. Then looking back at stuff like Silverstone, so mm. I, I don't know. I, from memory, like in the last couple of years, Haas have had issues in terms of getting temperature into tires as well. If you remember. There was a point where they just they they seem to have like just pace in one session on one set of tires and then in yeah. the other they just they go backwards by about five seconds like <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous yeah, yeah, the difference season, to get actually. yeah they were between just some of the harder tires 
So it'd be interesting to see where they're at at the minute in colder conditions. Mm. I think it will. Like it should mix up the pack a little bit because every car is going to be out of its operating window, and it's going to be interesting to see sort of which car suits this cold weather the most. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like because it's just we never ever run in such cold temperatures unless it's you know Barcelona testing maybe. <laughs> yeah, and then it doesn't get even that cold. Like five degrees is bloody cold. Well, I was trying to think back. There was that one. One year when it snowed, wasn't there? And there was, yeah. They basically just didn't even bother running, like even yeah. when. I mean, you would, on snow, like why would you bother if it's, well, it's yeah. that if it's icy and snowy? Mm-hmm. There's no grip anyway, so. Um, just noticed, yeah. um, Stick some wets on it and go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I've just noticed this article I've got open says uh, first and second practice sessions, the highest temperature expected will be a freezing twelve degrees. <laughs> By definition, twelve degrees is not freezing. No, it's absolutely <laughs> not. It's it's actually quite tepid. Um, mild mild weather expected at the Nürburgring Um, (laughs) next uh, storyline is about Lewis Hamilton and will he finally equal Schumacher's record of 91 race wins this week Um, it's we expected it last week and it just didn't happen so I don't know what do you guys think do you think he's gonna I guess like the mix up is gonna be with these cold temperatures like you wonder if that's gonna sort of put this on hold for another week i mean for your sake i hope that he manages it oh it's <laughs> fine like, we, i mean all that, all that work's done now so we're sitting pretty although i still i'm still working on stuff for it but hey um I, I mean if there's anyone that can get the best out of a car in awkward condition it's probably between him and max isn't it yeah so considering that i think the red bull might be slightly better in the conditions anyway. I think it's quite possibly going to be between the two of them. I, li- I like to hope so anyway. That's that's a hope. Hamilton's but, driven there before, whereas Max hasn't, albeit only three times, I think. Yeah. Um, he's won one of the three. That's, that's a good point. Who's who's on the grid that's actually been here before? I will be tell like you. Seb Lewis... Kimmy, um, Grosjean, oh yeah, Grosjean, Perez, uh, Ricardo. Oh, that's just how long Perez has been around. Bottas, <laughs> and that's your lot. I, I guess maybe it's not as long ago since I thought that Nurburgring drops off the calendar. Then, do you know the uh, the podium from the last race that was there in 2013? Alonso. Ooh, close. He was Him. fourth. Ah. Oh. That's just room, I guess. Then Hamilton, Jensen. Nope. A lot. Of, a lot of the names you'd expect were a bit lower down. It was Vettel won it because this was at the peak of Red Bull, and then the rest of the podium was Raikkonen and Grosjean in their Lotuses. Oh wow! This got Raikkonen. <laughs> don't think we'll be seeing a repeat of that podium this week. When, when was F one last at the Nurburgring? Twenty thirteen. Wow. Last year before the hybrid, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was so long ago. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't. Re- oh wow! That's well. That's exciting, isn't it? I'll tell I bet you how there's a lot. Of- it was <laughs> there were caterums and marushes in the race. <laughs> wow, those were the days. Sat on a caterum once. Um, <laughs> next storyline: <laughs> um, midfield battle. Going to do a quick recap of the midfield battle and where they <laughs> where things stand at that. So um, we've got the McLaren on 106 points, Racing Point on 104 points, and the Renault on 99 points, with Ferrari trailing behind. 
on 74. Now, we went over our conspiracy theory about Ferrari in the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> so if you want to listen to that, do go back and have a listen. But this is, I think this is a really, really spicy battle getting here between the sort of third, fourth, and fifth, and maybe even Ferrari if they can sort of get their act together. Um, we ask every, we ask it pretty much every week, it feels like, but who do you think is going to sort of come out on top between those four teams this week? I I feel like, because we've said before, like you have to remember that Racing Point are 15 points lower than they've actually earned because of the penalty. So they should be quite handily ahead of that fight. And I feel like if they can just get a weekend or two together where both of their cars score points, then I think none of the rest will be able to catch them. Their biggest enemy right now seems to be themselves. Like, I don't remember the last time both their cars finished sort of high up where they should be finishing. And until they do that, then they're struggling. But if they can put a weekend or two together, get like a fourth and fifth, fifth and sixth, a couple of weekends in a row, then I think the others will struggle to catch them at that point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the Renault camp, I think, at the minute. Just because of that upward trajectory. Mm. I, I talked about it last week. Like, the the consistency of like Danny Rick yeah. and I mean Ocon's not been far behind him and then the just the way that they just seem to be quite quietly getting the job done and they, they're edging ever closer to that podium aren't they all the time mm-hmm. so a bit of a mix up with the weather this weekend um, who knows you might, you might see a Danny Rick podium and a Cyril Abitable bottom tattoo <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I th- I'm just trying to get the results from the last race. I've just really quickly races. So Sergio Perez came fourth in the last one with Ricardo um, a little bit further down the road in fifth. I want to know where the McLarens were. So I know Sainz went out really early doors, didn't he? Um, they didn't score any points last race. Lando was Pointless run 15th. for... Oh, yeah, I see. Oh, goodness. Okay, so you'd say then that McLaren are on a little bit of a downward trend at the moment. Maybe they've maybe they've got an upgrade, some upgrades to bring. I know Ferrari are bringing upgrades. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go. I think I'm with you, Chris. I think I'm on the racing point sort of um, hype train, if you like. At the moment, I f- I think this is the kind of situation that can play into their hands because it's a bit of a mix up, and because you know these this weather is going to be really really iffy for everyone, and. Um, if anyone's got the car of that midfield pack to sort of make the most of a of an unusual situation, then it's probably the racing point. That's that's the car that's going to be able to yeah. do it. Maybe even get themselves snatch themselves a podium this week, as we've been saying all yeah. season. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm in Chris's camp of the uh, the racing point. Um, speaking can, of upgrades, though, I've gone because when just looking back at their results, when you consider all the hype about them pre season, they've only finished with both cars in the top six even once all season yeah 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 i mean that's that's a driver proves, i think mostly i think it is it, it is yeah. the copy paste just doesn't always work does it yeah exactly <laughs> unless you can copy and paste the drivers as well then you yeah you <laughs> diminishing returns aren't you um so final one final storyline this week is um the ferraris um, they're due an upgrade and I mean, we've been doing upgrades since the start of the season, right? But <laughs> do we think Ferrari's upgrades are going to move them forwards? And 
could they factor into a little bit more into this battle or are they just not going to bother upgrading it and stick to our conspiracy theory from last week where they're saving up their wind tunnel points? I'd rather just expect the worst and hope for the best, as they say. Yeah. I'm going to expect them to struggle to finish in the points and then be pleasantly surprised when they push in the midfield again. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to happen, but (laughs) that's um, where I'm sitting with it. I'm not expecting massive changes. Like maybe it'll it'll be a mild upgrade, and they might be able to give people in that midfield battle a bit of a headache sometimes. But in terms of the championship, they're looking behind them rather than in front of them. I think still. Are they looking anywhere? Are they well, even looking? Yeah, well, Are they even looking? <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when, you, when, you, when you can't even beat your customer team on a race weekend, then grim. There's a lot, doesn't it? Grim. Yeah, and especially when one of your drivers has just not got his heart in it either, has he? Let's be honest. No, not anymore. So, and who can blame him? Well, well yeah, exactly. He's, he's looking ahead to next year already now, isn't he? Yeah. So. Now he knows where. Now he knows where his future lies. That's it. It's <laughs> that's where his mindset. Yeah, it's not even like he needs to do well to secure a drive. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, he's yeah exactly. Um Anyway. Shall we, uh, we keep all that in mind while we make some predictions? Yes, let's go through some predictions. Um, right. As per usual, we'll start qualifying. So, fastest in Q3. Um, I'm going to make Chris go first on this. I feel Chris doesn't go first on this one very often. I'm going to say Hamilton. Oh, what a surprise. What a surprise. I'm predicting another one of these... Bottas is fastest all Friday. Hamilton's all, oh, I'm struggling to get to grips with this track. I've not been here in years. Oh, I've got a pole position. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, Stu, do you have anything different to that note? No, Hamilton. Yeah. And sadly, after my um, venture into the realm of Bottas last time out, I'm changing my mind and going back to Hamilton this week. Wise, um, wise, wise, wise. Yeah. I mean, at a circuit not many people have been to, I... Hardly, well, not many of the current grid have been to in a race weekend. I would say that you need to put your money with the experience, realistically. Um, on to that note, I move with a win, and I'm going to go first and say Hamilton again. I'm going double ham. Um, Stu, where would you like to go with that one? Mm, I can see a tactic there, Chris. You've gone first, and you've, you've forced my hand. Um... I'm Tom. Oh, did I say Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, you'd think after all these years you'd be able to tell us apart, Stu. I know. I'm going to call you actually. Chris then for a joke, man. You, you, you <laughs> sa- <laughs> it triggers you, to be too late. <laughs> you sound very similar to Chris, Chris. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> you're welcome, Chris. Uh, I'm going to go Verstappen for this one. I'm going to risk sacrificing a point. Yeah. That's that's where I would go if I could afford to. <laughs> um, and Chris, Chris, what's your choice, Chris? Well, to make things interesting, I'm going to say Bottas. Whoa. Bottas. Interesting. Not very often we have three different winners in our predictions. No, at least not in this era of Formula 1. Um, first, DNF. Um, me and Chris have gone first, so 
Chris, no, Stu. <laughs> um, I think yeah. Chris will be the first DNF this week. <laughs> uh, who was missed out last? It was science, wasn't it, last week? Trying to yeah. be a hero on the first lap. Yeah. Oh, it says Stroll here. He was. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's, let's ignore that. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a tough one. Um, at this point, I'd love to know who's left on the uh, thingy board. The no. random driver board, but I guess I don't have that privilege. Um, I can tell you who's left on the random driver list if you want. Who's left on the random driver uh, list? Bottas, Leclerc, Verstappen, Albon, Sainz, Perez, Stroll, Kvyat, Ocon, and Latifi. Oh, do you know what? After hearing that list, I really want Bottas or Verstappen to come out. <laughs> one of you two has to like money mouth it on yeah. random driver. I'm going to go Grosjean. Oh, Grosjean. I do, I do Grosjean a lot, and actually it's it's not doing me that well this season, but never mind, go on. I'm, I'm with you on Grosjean, though. There's, Oof. I feel like there's a lot of... I mean, I've not seen the place for a long time, but I'm pretty sure there's still a lot of gravel and grass and not yeah, acres of tarmac is. of the Nürburgring. Yeah. And that feels like a Grosjean excursion to me. Yeah, I think you... Yeah. In my head, all I can keep thinking is McLaren keep having these off weekends mm. where they can't get both cars to finish. And the last couple of times the dr- a driver's gone out very early, it's been Carlos. So as much as I'd, I'm going to hate if this happens, no, don't I'm going to put Lando don't down. Do it's Lando's like turn. This. Yeah. It's Lando's turn. Ah, oh. Lando's turn. I, I hate it, but this is a game about making points, not picking favourites. Yeah, and so I, going wrong gonna, this time. I thought you were going to say science. I thought you were going to say science no. for two weeks in a row. There's no, no, well, it'd be three, wouldn't it? Because well, he wasn't first DNF the other week, but it'd be three DNFs in a row for him if he if he made another one. Um, finishers. I'm going to go back to Chris for first on this one. Number of finishers. Why do we have last race? Who's 18 last time? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and last time at the Nurburgring, it was 19. Ooh. Although there were two more cars, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, three DNFs then, really, because that budget is seventeen. Hypothetically, yeah, that's kind of where I'm. Yeah, I want to steal seventeen. Someone always says seventeen, so I'm going to be the person to steal it. Do you know what? These are these are a boring week, other than the winners, because I'm going seventeen. Uh. As well. What about you, Stu? Um, Go on, do it. Make it a triple F. No, 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 no. no, no. I need <laughs> differentiations, key. Um, I think it's a new track. Weather's not going to be great. Um, 16. 16. And then, Chris, can you please draw as a random driver? Alexander Albon. Ooh. Uh, I'll just throw my name in the hat here and go sixth. He's such a difficult one, isn't he? Mm. I'm going sixth. Um, Stu? Well, sixth is sensible. Um, I'm going to say seventh just to be different. And Chris? Seven's kind of his average-ish position this season. So I was sort of... Yeah, I'm saying seventh as well. That's what I was thinking before you got in there. Seventh for you as well. Right, that is our predictions in. Um, 
as always you can join in with us at backofthegrid.com so head there even if you've not played before it's still open for registration so get yourself signed up and submit yours there's always a prize for anyone who can get five out of five in a weekend and then the, then there's also a prize for the winner overall on the leaderboard so it's never too late to join in um i mean we've still got seven or eight seven seven races left so there's plenty of time to build up some points even on the leaderboard um but yeah that is it for predictions should we do some inbox, gentlemen? Yeah. Let's. Is keep it saying now. But stay, but stay out. Box, box, box. Hey, man. It's the laugh at the end. Like, it is, <laughs> and we all and I've noticed that every single week we all pause just to appreciate the laughter. Yeah, yeah, I always wait for the laugh. I do always wait for the laugh. Like there's so many. Okay, like we always talk over the uh, the opener and stuff like that. But that I always wait until complete silence <laughs> before making any noise. <laughs> First question from Brizzle McLaren. How much can Red Bull be charged per annum for engines due to Renault not having a similar deal with a customer team? So no parity of contract terms, etc. assuming Renault are the only option. Also, happy... What's that say? How, how happy do you think Cyril is? Oh, how happy do you think Cyril is? That's not what it says, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> how happy do you think Cyril is? I think Cyril's sort of you know, is is probably a right smile. Yeah, he's probably got a bit of a grin on his face. Has he though? Do you not think he's a bit annoyed that he's gonna have to go back to dealing with Red Bull? Yeah, it's it's probably that's the inevitable initially a smile and then oh god I've got to go back to that hole. Yeah. Those shenanigans again. It's a in bit of a told you that go on. In in terms of the cost, uh there is a cost cap for the engines running into the rules i believe it's 15 million a year 50 million dollars a year is the most manufacturers can charge customers for engines so it's not like renault can just be like welcome back that'll be 50 million quid please there's um there are rules about what they can charge i can just imagine cyril doing his best dr evil now like 15 million (laughs) dollars He's good. They're going to charge as much as they allowed to within the rules, aren't they? I mean, that's yeah. Never oh, for cool. sure. Because I mean, that's what all the teams are doing. <laughs> There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. That's, that's capitalism. Um, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Formula One, boys. <laughs> yeah. I th- yeah, I think Chris is right though about the uh, you know there's probably a lot of grief to come. Oh, we're stuck with these engines. Oh, we, you know we're not with this engine by choice. This engine's been forced on us because our original engine supplier decided to leave us. You can just see the excuses from uh, from Christian Horner now, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe if um, Red Bull had been a little more um, courteous about their first relationship with Renault, other manufacturers might be a bit more keen on working with them. Yeah. But they yeah, weren't. That's true. And they're I mean, not. I've, I've, I've never made a secret. I'm not the biggest Red Bull fan, but personally, I think all of this serves them right because the way they dealt with Renault the first time round was just, just yeah, wasn't it wasn't cool, was it? Wasn't, it wasn't cricket. No, it really wasn't cricket. But yeah, I think it's probably going to be a mess all over again, isn't it? 
Yeah, next one. Uh, Ryan F1 says, uh, what do you think the Honda announcement means for F1 as a racing series? What PUs do you think the sport will run for the next big era? Uh, well, we've already, I mean, we've already s- touched on this. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. covered it, yeah. Um, we know. But we didn't what- answer that question, though. What, what do we think will run in the next the next the next engine formula i guess what is is the question what will what will they actually run next engine formula i think they hydrogen <laughs> i think if they are smart they will run what manufacturers tell them they want them to run oh that's a very chris sitting on the fence answer that's a classic <laughs> chris that's a typical chris what yeah. they need to do though i i think yeah you're right like, yeah, electric power is just not ready to power F1 cars yet. So I think it's still going to be some variation on hybrid power for a few years to come at the very least. But yeah, ultimately, they just need to do what manufacturers are going to pre- be prepared to make for them. Uh, and that's the key to getting other manufacturers in, isn't it? Basically, you're not like, you're not going to draw in anyone. If anyone's not been interested up to this point, the MGUH removal is not going to draw realistically anybody in maybe one or two might consider it but it's very unlikely so changing it any less than that you're not gonna draw anybody in are you because you're not changing enough so like i say i think the only way to do it is to find out what manufacturers are more interested in building Mm. that can also be a high performance sports engine Mm. I mean, do we not already know what they're interested in building because they're all making power units for Formula E? Well, yeah, that's very true. So the first rule of um, sort of marketing is see what your competitors are doing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but, then, but then it just becomes Formula E, doesn't it? I think, I think there needs yeah. to be something that keeps it separate, but it's finding what that is. Do you think like Formula E could ever support F1 in the same way Formula 2 supports F1? Do you think, I don't, can you see similarities between Formula E and Formula 2? I mean, I don't think Formula E would ever want to do that, would no. they? No. The whole point of them is that they're the clean electric-powered race cars and they have electric support series with them, like with the the Jaguar E-Pace and stuff, don't yeah. they? Yeah. So, like that that's a whole that's a whole vibe. I I don't think they'd want to follow Formula mm. One round. I mean so, but it might make their life easier from a from a circuit management point of view because obviously they're going to something that's already been set up and ready to go for F one and it gives them some more exposure, but at what cost? Like how many of those manufacturers that are involved with Formula E at the minute are there because they don't want to be associated with Formula One for, for what for whatever reason, yeah. Well, you wouldn't want to be associated if you if your if your uh, outlook and your marketing is all about being green and being sort of non polluting. Then Formula One just toxic. You don't touch exactly. it. Exactly. Um, so I, I can't see. That's why I can't see Formula E wanting to be there as a support series, even if the position became available to them. Okay, like so you, you drop something like Porsche. Like, I mean, you could drop stuff like Porsche Super Cup, and um, I mean they could support other sports car series or something like the WEC or whatever. I, I don't know, but it's not like you couldn't find the time on the on the weekend schedule for Formula E. It's more that I think Formula E wouldn't want to be there. No, those teams and drivers as well won't want to be the undercard. They want to be the main event. Yeah, yeah that's true. Like The drivers are definitely of the mind of this is my main sport. 
this is yeah. right up there. There's lots um, of very okay, top tier so, drivers in FE these days as well. So, so, so yeah, there are. So back to the question of just the basic question of what will Formula One do next? Um, probably, I mean, it's going to have to be simplified hybrid engines, I think, isn't mm. it? Which is what they're doing, but how simplified? Is it just, is it the, is it the IndyCar route of just basic sort of big, massive battery pack, curves and a massive V6 2-litre turbo? <laughs> 2.2 litre turbo maybe not even with a turbo see the only, the only argument I guess against that is you start going backwards in efficiency at that point don't you the like I, I did t- I mean this is Mercedes saying things more likely because they don't want to lose an advantage they've got but some of the points are still quite valid of the fact that like removing some of the components that that will be removed and then going more and more in that direction um, towards that indie-style spec is going to be that you you lose the the major gains that they made in terms of the fuel efficiency of the Formula 1 cars and you start having to put more fuel in them to to make race distance. So it's it's finding the balance. They've, they've got to find the balance in the middle. They can't go so far that the work that they have done to become so efficient is just thrown out the window because... It's, it's pointless yeah. at that point, isn't it? Mm. But then that's almost what they're doing by getting rid of the MGUH. That's the main yeah, reason th- th- that that's, it's so efficient. That That's one of the things that the, the guys at Mercedes have been saying is like they think it's going to be a step backwards for the efficiency, which it, it will be. <laughs> no yeah, we'll doubt, have to run but, more fuel. We'll have to burn more fuel yeah. to get the same power. Yeah. What if they had... I mean, I think Chris is onto something with the, with the sort of double rule set where... The engine, the electric side is, if you could, I think a good idea is to say you can have complete freedom as long as your powertrain is all electric. You can bring what you Mm -hmm. want as long as there are zero emissions from your vehicle. Mm -hmm. Your vehicle has to be zero emissions by whatever means necessary and safe by whatever means you can. And it obviously has to do all the things that a Formula One car does. Yeah. Um, Or you can use this engine, stick to these rules, and we will restrict you in other ways to encourage you to to effectively bring what you want as long as it's zero emission. I mean, yeah, we, we talk about the, the age of Formula One developing technology that makes it into road cars. One of the reasons that doesn't happen so much anymore is because the formula becomes so restricted to the point now where once one team's got it right, it, like you see with Mercedes, it, it's diminishing returns. Like there's less and less they can do to make that car quicker, and you do over time eventually see the other teams kind of making the same headway and and, and closing ground a little bit. But the 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 age of exploration within F1 probably died in the nineties, I would say. Yeah, like. When was I'd the last time? Like I mean, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Fair, fair enough. We've had one or two things like the double diffusers and the what was the Red Bull one? The the F ducts and the air blown stuff. But I mean, oh, the they, they just, they just costs, yeah, yeah, they, they just they just ban it, don't they? Like mm-hmm. Formula One just goes nope, and then just shuts it down. Yeah, there's definitely like, a ban culture in the rule set that that needs to sort of bugger off. Yeah, <laughs> and it, I, I think that. In terms of like proper, true technological innovation, we've not seen anything massive since 
probably, like you said, Stuart, active suspension. Mm. And again, that got banned. That, yeah. was, that was like where that was, that was kind of where this all started, realistically, is when they started banning that. Well, the, anything I mean, else that came along significantly. Oh, no, I know. But I mean, like, that's where it felt like everything got banned yeah. pretty much. I mean imagine imagine if they if they just imagine a world for a second where the rear view mirror has never been invented. If someone came to the track these days with rear view mirrors, they'd probably ban them for the next race. Yeah. On some not random fair. grounds that they're dangerous. It's not safe. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's not safe. They're looking behind, they should be looking forward. You can think <laughs> of all the arguments, can't you? Just yeah, off the top of the head what yeah. they come up with. What I'd like, I mean, what I'd like to see and what are realistic are two very different things. What I'd like to see is a, 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 a much more free open rule set for zero emissions vehicles to be implemented and the continuing rule set for what we know works for hybrid vehicles in Formula One. Yeah. So we've got the current cars on probably next year's, uh, 2022 zero, <clears throat> or you've got your all electric or all, or you've got your zero emissions vehicle that can have whatever aero it wants, and oh, you give them whatever you give them whatever they want for. They can do whatever they want as long as they've got zero emissions coming from that car. Yeah, close that because that's the thing. You couldn't have it, it. It is impossible today to build an electric drivetrain that will make an F1 car go as fast as the current F1 cars go. Like it's just not possible with where the technology is. So. Timing is key in all this, isn't it? Like, if if you're going to have a hard rule change or if you're going to have this kind of blurred boundary, you need to time it at a point where the sort of relative speeds and lap times and competitiveness don't change too much. Because if you do it too soon, suddenly F1 gets much, much slower or the first teams to come in to be electric are just getting trounced by the hybrid teams. Yeah, and that just just makes it all step backwards. yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a balance in the rules. It needs to be really, really yeah. well thought out. Like if you, you know, if you allow uh, an all a zero emissions vehicle to have active suspension, for example, that's where they're going to make up the time, isn't it? By using the other yeah. technologies, by making allowing them to make a much, much more advanced vehicle all around than the archaic. I can't believe I'm saying archaic about a formula, the current formula because it's fascinating <laughs> technology. But what would be considered in that rule set, the arcade, the orthodox vehicle, where but you, you you've essentially got you know the cars we're running now, which are very 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 fast. But if you can make an electric vehicle, and if there's enough, you, I think we can see that there's desire from car car manufacturers to make very fast race cars for racing series because yeah. they're all going to Formula E. You know, um, there will be a subset of cars among that lot who want to be in Formula 1, but Formula 1 isn't the right fit for them. I've got no doubt about yeah. that. There are teams in Formula E who would love to be in Formula 1. I mean, Mercedes have got a Formula E team, haven't they? So there are, there's already like a, there's already cross-pollination going on. And I think if yeah, if you opened up just opened up that rule set and let let the zero emissions teams do whatever they want, that's how you make up the time between the two cars. And there'll be fa- you get loads of real, really cool on track action as well because you get cars that are different, have different paces in different parts of the track. Yeah, yeah, it would be very interesting to watch. I think the the biggest thing holding it back right now is um, batteries. It's to have enough battery to do a full F one race yeah. would be so heavy it would be ridiculously slow. And that's I mean and that technology is moving on very quickly. I mean you can buy a 
a Kia, the electric Kia Nero can do like pushing 300 miles on a charge and an F1 race is only 100 and what, 190 miles is it an F1 race generally? Yeah, but I mean, you, if you but, go, you're not going to get 300 miles full throttle. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You're doing that at 30, 40 miles an hour, not yeah. 118, 200 miles an hour. And that's the, the key. But at the, on the same sort of merit if you can is it going back to the rule set like again open it out to the pit stops as well if you can develop a way of very rapidly recharging that car in the pits be that a battery change mm. or, or be that a some sort of charging system where the car stops and it's supercharged for the however many seconds it's on the road you could make a car so fast that it absolutely hammers everything else gets such a lead but then has to make many, many pit stops mm, in order to yeah. finish the race. And that would make for such a big, for very unpredictable, difficult to follow probably, but exciting mm. racing. Like you could have yeah. a petrol car about, you know, like in the, in the final 10 laps, a petrol car 10 seconds ahead of the electric car that was ahead by 10 seconds, but had to make a 20 second stop to recharge then he's got to go out onto the track with a set of fresh tires on him because maybe you open up the tire rules for those cars as well. So he's got more tires. Than <laughs> it depends, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a work in progress. This, yeah. um, he, <laughs> he gets out on the track and he's chasing the leader down for 10 laps and you get a photo finish, you know, between two completely different vehicles designed to do the same job. And I, I think that would be fascinating. I guess the argument against it is you're getting into the realms of multi-class racing there, which is not what F1 has ever been. But then again, I hate this isn't what F1 has ever been as an argument against change. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, has, has Form- Formula 1's always been open con- cockpit, but can you call Formula 1 truly open cockpit anymore? I don't think you can. F1's but- open wheel, except the times when it wasn't open wheel. <laughs> You yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, the list is endless. F1's always been an aero formula, except the decades when it wasn't an aero formula. <laughs> yeah, it's just not an argument, you know. I mean, and you could. There's still Formula One cars at the end of the day. Like if you if you call it if you want to call it a two tier series, yeah, fine, call it a two tier series, or call it an old Formula One car versus a new Formula One car. That's what I'd call it. Yeah. And, I mean, and, it's not like we're that far off having two seconds. Well, exactly. Exactly, exactly. I mean, this season of- probably closer than most, but yeah, if Mercedes is so far ahead of everyone else, then it's almost a shame they're in the sport. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, when like Virgin Russia around, it was like a three-seater series. So Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the, the technology is going to get there one day, like sooner or later, the tech will be there for F1 to be able to do what it does now with electric power. Like there's just no, I mean, it wasn't that many years ago where the idea of buying an electric car that could do a hundred miles was like pie in the sky stuff. And now you yeah. can buy a Kia, a bloody Kia can do 300 miles. <laughs> like it, the speed that tech is moving is so fast, which again brings us right back to the start of the exact reason why Honda are doing what they're doing. It's because that's where the money and the time and research needs to go. Cause that's where things are being pushed forward. So car manufacturers can't risk being left behind. Can they? Yeah. No, not at all. Right, I think we've answered that question. More. <laughs> yeah, I think okay, we so, yeah, we're going. It's such a juicy topic, though. It's such it an really interesting is. topic. It's re- it's one of my favourite things to to uh, to discuss, like the future of F one, which you can hear a little bit more about from uh, Maurice Hamilton when we <laughs> talk about that. 
and, the, and the history, history of it. Oh, it's the history. It's the history. But he does give an opinion, doesn't he, on the future? Oh, we, 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 get that we, from we got past, present, and future. It was a oh, brilliant, a fantastic. We covered chat. all. We covered all the timelines. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be dropping in your podcast feed at some point uh, next week. Sweet. All being well. Yeah, uh, I'll ask. I'll answer another question though. Oh, I'll read another question. Uh, Sam Van Outen says, "What a bombshell that was! How long do you think Red Bull Racing um, knew about this already? Um, what is our opinion on what they should do now? Mercedes are probably not going to supply them. No, will Ferrari? Renault becomes the only real option, or do you think Honda would sell their engine de- building <laughs> department for Red Bull to build their own? It's not. A I mean, this idea." There's, there's a really cool rumor going around at the minute that because the Aston Martin Valkyrie that was worked on by new <laughs> team of Red Bull has a Cosworth engine in it, and there's somebody that was key in that project that went to Ferrari, well, Fiat Chrysler, and has since left. There's this whole whole rumor mill that's been spooled up of because that I can't remember the name of that person, but because that person's left Fiat Chrysler, that it's pointing towards a rejoining of this Red Bull Cosworth relationship to just build their own Cosworth engines. <laughs> Which what, so he's I mean go and build a slow engine, is he? <laughs> I mean, a road Cosworth is not that bad. What's in that Valkyrie is in, insane. Yeah. But it's definitely not a Formula One spec. It's a V twelve monster in that Valkyrie. Cos- Cosworth do a supercharger for um for the GT86, which turns it into a completely different car, I'm told. I've not driven one, but... Stu's been, Stu's been shopping for his car again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too expensive. It's a lot. <laughs> it's so expensive. And it had bumped my insurance up just sky high, so I can't. Yeah. Uh, last question. Uh, Wesley says, it might be blasphemous, but I don't think Alonso is going to perform the way Renault wants him to. If they continue to improve, how long do they keep him around? Ooh, two years. That's his contract, isn't it? Well, apparently Alonso um, has said he thinks he scores 9 out of 10 in all categories. So, according to Alonso, That's, he's he still would, got it. He would say that. <laughs> according, Alonso, according, according, to Alonso. according to Alonso is the yeah. best. <laughs> I, I can see where Wes is coming from. I, I don't think Alonso is going to be on the level Renault maybe hope he will be. I mean, yes, he's achieved a lot in his time away from F1, but he's won Le Mans twice in a race when he was basically racing the sister car and no one else he's uh not won indy three times <laughs> um <laughs> i mean there's no doubt he's a great driver but um yeah i think renault are kidding themselves i think he's going to come back and just like turn their fortunes around yeah i mean he's a two-year contract isn't it that he's got at the moment i believe so yeah yeah like i can see that if the renault isn't looking like a a contender towards the end of that, he'll just walk again and just have had it. Yeah, well, he's there to see what they do with the new regulations, isn't he? Yeah, that's it. So it's it's all going to depend on that. He's already told them to just sack off next season already. Yeah, Yeah. so a a, a woeful first season. uh, New regs would mean he'll be gone, I reckon. He'll he'll beat Ocon. He'll do a lot of complaining. And then if he doesn't get the car he wants, they'll clear off you. That's exactly that. And f- that's fine by me. <laughs> uh, and I think that's it for this week, isn't it? Um, it is. It's not not quite the podcast I thought we were going to record this week, but uh, <laughs> no. it's been it's been interesting chat all along. I could talk about this yeah. stuff 
endlessly and we did <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us before uh or indeed after the race uh, you can find us on twitter at back of the grid f1 facebook and instagram just search back of the grid and you'll find us or you can go to back of the grid.com where there's a contact us form and where you can also sign up for the predictions league if you haven't already where as we already mentioned you can uh, win a prize every week if you get five out of five and that is about it, I think. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, we will speak to you in a week's time to review the Eiffel Grand Prix. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.